One thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. When? When? What are we waiting for? Take us! Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast. This is episode 71. My guest today is Brian Simpson. Brian is uh, one of the newest paid regulars at the world famous comedy store, and I'm glad to have him on the episode today. And uh, without further ado, here he is, Brian Simpson. When I got into comedy, it was to uh, do stand up comedy. <laughs> I just wanted to get good at stand up, and <clears throat> my first two years, the goal was just to. Not make, not worry about making a nickel. Just learn how to do it, or at least get my feet wet. And I've been doing it for a living now for 18 years. And 15 years in, they changed the game on me. And they're like, now you have to have this and this and be good at this. And yeah, fuck, it's more important to be good with a computer than it is to be good at stand-up comedy anymore. Yeah, you damn right about that. I I just did a whole episode about that, about the uh, the imposter comedian, you know. Do you do it? You do it by yourself, right? You I do it by myself. One man podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which presents all kinds of challenges. But, but also, it alleviates a lot of challenges Cause, because I've tried to do a few podcasts before, mm-hmm. and I feel like doing it myself means I don't have to be on anybody else's schedule, and more importantly, I don't have to run any. I don't have to give up creative control. Anymore. Like I don't have to run anything by right. anybody, yeah. and that t- I just need that. I can't work with other people when it comes to <laughs> like creative stuff, you know? Because yeah. I, I have to love whatever it, it, the end result is. Yeah, or I have to be okay with it. And it, I just don't want to argue with people or vote or any of that. Yeah, well, John, my co-host, God bless him. Um, sometimes he'll do stuff, and he always means well, and it's usually good work and all that. I'm not complaining about it, but. Sometimes I, I'm like such a control freak about that kind of stuff. Right. You know, he'll put up like some promo for, and I feel like a dick complaining about it because, you know. You don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do it, and he, he took the uh, initiative to do it, but then in, there's always some little something that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't have put that in there, or I didn't really want that in there. And then I feel like I'm like nitpicking somebody who's, Doing something for nothing, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? That's what I mean. Yeah. And then, now, of course, because I do it alone, I, I got to do a lot, all the work, and I had to learn how to do all the editing and stuff like that. But the hardest part for me, because I did the occasional one man podcast, and the hardest part for me is I have a direction I'm going, and then I generally I can get sidetracked easy, and that's fine when you're having a conversation with someone else. But when you're the only one speaking, and then you're just going off in the right field, and you're like, I'm going too far in this field <laughs> by myself. At least that's how I feel. Oh, yeah. Do you get that way, or do you stop? Do you like, do you like, if you're... Um, I don't know. I usually, yeah, I, I can usually get back to the point eventually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I always have so many things that I want to say about things, but then I, I just tell myself to save that for another episode. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, I get sidetracked very easily. How long do your podcasts usually last when you do them? Uh, about thirty-five minutes. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. And and you know what, it, it's really good training for audiences that aren't very receptive. Um, 
because there's a lot of audiences that are good, but they're not real receptive. You know what I mean? Like, you don't find out they're good till after the show. Right. And then they come up and they're like, man, you were fucking great. And I think part of getting to the next level and, and getting, like, in the Chappelle realm is just being yourself. You know? That, he came up last night, and, man, that guy... And, and talking to your... You know, essentially to yourself, you get comfortable with yourself. And then if you have an audience that's not like laughing their ass off at everything that you're listening to, but they're still enjoying it, you know, am I making sense? Yeah. You know, like, um, you've had those audiences that they, they, they come out, we were talking about this the other night in the Comedy Magic Club green room, um, you have those shows where the audience loves everything you do and they laugh at everything you do and then after the show they stream past you like you've got a disease that's catching. <laughs> right. And right. then there are those shows where dirt while you're on stage you're just like, God, this crowd sucks. They hate me. And then afterwards they come up and they give you the nicest, most genuine compliments and you know, that's when they buy stuff and, you know, girls would flirt with you and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, it's weird, isn't it? That is really weird, man. And, and it, but it made me feel good to know that other comics, go, like comics that I respected, like really good comedians in the screen room, were talking about it. Like, yeah, that happens to me all the time. I would, too. I, I like, would love okay. to do a like a real study of comedy crowds. Yeah, yeah, I really want to do that with because I want to know there has to be a reason why why that is. There has to be some variable that you know where you can get a random group of people together and they behave all in the same way. Yeah. And and there's no, right now, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Right. You know, like if you if you love me, how come y'all didn't laugh? How come all of you didn't laugh? Right. Or some, you know, they laugh, but they, but you know, they don't give you, like you said, they don't give you that uproarious mm-hmm. uh, applause that you get from, from the crowd that'll just walk by you afterwards. So, I, you know. Yeah. And I don't know, is it, is it, is it, are they afraid they're going to have to buy something? Is it, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know, man. It's a weird. It is a weird mentality, um, and I know I've told this story on the podcast before, so forgive me. But one of the best compliments I ever got was after one of those Sunday shows in in Kansas City, and I was just kind of going through the motions and pushing play in my head and just getting through it. And and this old and it, you know it wasn't a horrible show, but it wasn't great by any means. And this old man came up to me afterwards and he goes, "You're the best comedian I've ever seen." I was like, am I the first? And he goes, no, but you're the best. And that's when I realized, like, oh, some of these shows that you think suck, you know, as long as you're doing what you do the way you do it, there will always be someone there who appreciates it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. And anyway, Brian just got passed at the Comedy Store, which is a a big deal. There's only been, like, 600 of us since 1970 or some shit. I don't know the exact statistic, but uh, so it's a big deal. How does how does that feel, Brian? I'm on. Um, it, it feels great, you know, because my it feels amazing most of the time. But then sometimes my comedy brain starts working, where I start looking for <laughs> looking for the flaws and everything, you know. Sure. And I just, you know, I was um, no. I mean, it feels amazing. I don't want to downplay it or whatever. It's it's a great feeling to be to be on on the wall. But then I was walking by and looking, looking, looking at all the names on the wall, and I realized like I have no idea who most of these people are. Yeah. And I and now I'm afraid to be one of those people. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like now I'm afraid I'm gonna be one of those names on the wall, 
And in 10, 20 years, somebody's going to look at that wall and go, who the fuck is Brian Simpson? Oh, can I curse you? Sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, please do. Because um, I see some of those names, and I'm like, what happened to that guy? And in my, in my brain, it's always a tragic story. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, it, it's it's probably not traffic, tragic so much as a lot of times there's just so many good people who get, you know, life happens or they get a family or they just, they, they get tired of, they get tired of trying. And uh, I get that way too sometimes. I'll be at a comedy club and I'll look at all these headshots on the wall and I don't know 90% of them, you know, and I'm like, uh, Gene Pickleford, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if there's a comic out there named Gene Pickleford who's just killing it. But uh, anyway, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I look at the wall sometimes and I'm like, man, I don't know who half these motherfuckers are and and it's it's hard to stay relevant, you know. Like every yeah. you get older, you got to change things. And anyway, you you get it, which is um, part of the reason I wanted to have you on here. I've only had uh, I've only met Brian. Gosh, we worked together at this room uh, that we'll just keep nameless. That's um, out of business. No, it is. Yeah. Well, it might be yeah. back. Yeah, you're right. But uh, anyway, it was it it was a. Uh, C room at best, you know, not by not really anybody. Uh, would you call it a C room? Yeah, maybe a B, C plus. It, it, it would be. It would have been a B. It would have been a B if it was in a big city. Yeah, but it was, it's a C room just because where it was. Yeah, um, and we had one of these shows where, first of all, not to knock anybody out there who's open for me because I'm not probably talking about you, but I worked with a lot of shitty comedians. And I think when I met Brian, I was on a run where everybody I was working with was terrible. Like, all these <laughs> openers. And uh, I immediately thought you were funny. And, and not only funny, but I could tell you got it. You know? Like, not just the... I, I could feel... I could. I don't know how you even say it. it, it there, there are kindred spirits. And uh, Brian was like, this dude feels the same way I do about ninety percent of comedy. Yeah. I can already tell. There's a, like there's a, there's a comedian ethic that you can smell on other people. Yeah, the way they think the, the people. Cause I gravitate to those people that think about comedy um, in a in a philosophical kind of way. You know, not not a hundred percent because you know comedy ain't it's not one thing. You know? Yeah. So, but but the way the way people think the way people talk about comedy, you can just tell. Like right. You said if they get it. Yeah. Because I want to get it. You know, because I know I don't. I haven't. I, you know, I've been in the game now eight years, and I haven't figured out everything. But I, but I love to talk because because the people that think about it in that way, they can always drop a nugget or two, yeah, of wisdom on you. You know, and you and that's those little breadcrumbs. That's sustenance for me. Like like you said, you get tired of trying, and then every now and then you you run into somebody and they'll they'll, they'll say something to you that they just keep, keeps you going for a few more months. Yeah, you know it's like that. I need that. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's a guy that 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 uh, does comedy and comes up here the other and the other night he was he was just in like this passionate mood and he kept looking at me and he was like, "Dude, you are fucking great," <laughs> you know. And it was just one of those comment compliments where you're like, I, you know, you could tell he was being genuine and 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 you know when not to say that I think I'm great or anything, but like. I get glimpses of how good I could be, you know, and when somebody sees that and validates it, it's like, oh, you know, some compliments just mean more than others, you know, mm -hmm. you can tell they're not just 
full of shit. Well, how do you feel about? Because uh, this is—I've been on a tear about this lately, but just the. Because to me, to me, there's a difference between comedians and then people that are other things that get to do comedy. Yeah. At a high level, you know. So it 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 it, it bothers me somewhat that like you can you can be good at something you know you can be like an Instagram guy yeah and be good at making those little 10 second videos or whatever there and then you can be headlining some club somewhere yeah off, even though you have and you're not you know you're not going to do well but it's something about that that bothers me like that those people get to infiltrate comedy at its highest level yeah i honestly feel like it's slowly killing it is it? That's how I feel about it because, and I've said this before countless times, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast or just in my life in general, but what happens when you book somebody just because they're a draw, like Instagram or a washed up actor or um, YouTube, and you know, it, it's fine if, if a, it's fine if a really good comedian can figure out a way to do YouTube and or Instagram and make it work for them, and then they've already they already know how to do the comedy, so it's just icing on the cake. Because right. that is the hard part about this. I've been doing this twenty years for live twenty years, eighteen for a living, and you never figure it out completely, you know. And it's almost insulting that people who have put no effort into learning how to do stand up and really putting in the paying their dues to get good at it not because I'm not saying people should pay their dues to get uh, fame or respect or, or, or whatever I'm talking about doing it you know if you get lucky that's one thing but getting good at stand up there are no fucking shortcuts yeah. so it's insulting and it pisses me off not just from a financial standpoint but it pisses me off from an artistic standpoint that some of these people have no respect for what, what we do. I'm like, just go have a fucking meet and greet somewhere, you know, and sign autographs and talk to people if that's what you're going to do. Stop taking work from comedians who are good at stand-up, who have paid their dues to get good at stand-up, which is one of the hardest fucking things in the world to do well. You shouldn't just be able to walk in, and I get it from a booker standpoint that they're making money, but they're also fucking everyone because those guys might sell out the room once or twice for $25, $30 a ticket. But what you've also done is you've made 1,600 people. Let's say you got four shows, 400 seat rooms, and that's 1,600 people. You may have sold every fucking ticket and made a lot of money that weekend. But you've also made 1,600 people never want to come back. Yeah. And tell all their friends, ah, I went to that place and it sucked. Why should we pay fifteen dollars to see Tim Gaither and Brian Simpson when I paid thirty for this famous, famous guy, guy and he yeah. sucked? It, it 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 people don't think about it that way. And maybe I'm too glasses half empty kind of a person <laughs> to be asking this question. But uh, so I'm sorry if I'm being long winded about it. But it it, it kind of pisses me off, frankly. Um, that that's my thing. I'm like. You know, there's a lot of people that have gotten good at this art form, and you're slowly killing it. And now everyone thinks they can be a comedian, and that's fine, but 
fuck, pay your dues first as far as learning how to do it. I, I hate that you can become a draw before you have any idea what you're doing on stage. Mm-hmm. It pisses and me it, You know, and it makes it makes a lot of the it makes a lot of the young comedians um, impatient. Of the younger, I'm sorry, like I'm not young, but it makes a lot of the younger comedians impatient. You know, yeah. I meet people and it's like they two, three years in submitting for festivals. Yeah, you know, or or sending in tapes to Conan and the late night. You know, it's like they they don't because they know it's possible. They know they yeah. they they know they can make it just like that. And sometimes you don't even have to be an Instagram person. Sometimes you just you just fit what what's hot right now, you know. It's yeah. like if 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 the new if the hot if the new like hot comedian is uh you know is a is a lesbian Arab lady, then that's what they're looking for, right? You know, and they go, oh you, you know, and they don't care if you're funny or not. They'll just right. make you, they'll put stuff around you to make you more of a star, you know. Sure. Is it? I just I, just moving to Hollywood is really really. All to my perspective on a lot of things. There's a lot of people here that that want to be famous more than they care about what they're famous for. Yeah, you know, the fame is the go- is their goal. It's not a side effect. Yeah. So it's just um, and that's what you're competing with, man. You know, it's like it's like uh, it's like how you have to beware of a desperate man. You know, it's like when you're when you're competing with people that are desperate, it you know you either have to be desperate too or get out of the game it's like you you i feel like I, i'm not willing to go where they're willing to go right you know and so i don't know if i don't know i mean they, I, I feel like in, integrity is is long terms integrity makes you gives you longevity yeah but it's also this, this very slow yeah and painful path to take to All get the, really good you mean yeah because i don't i'm not willing to take any of those shortcuts at least yeah. I hope I hope so. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to watch sometimes to watch people that I know haven't like you said, haven't put the work in that yeah. don't respect the craft. It's like people who call themselves comedians on like Facebook or Instagram and you know they're not a real fucking comedian. They've done like they've done like fourteen open mics. I'm a comedian. That shouldn't be the very first thing you put about yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean it's just it it I don't know. Maybe I'm too old school about shit, <laughs> but I it, it is. It's kind of uh, it's kind of insulting. It's one of the most accessible things, too. One of the most what? It's one of the most uh, accessible things to be to, to be, be able to do. Yeah, to get you can just anyone. Yeah, like literally anybody can just walk in off the street and go to an open mic, right? And do that every day and start saying I'm a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. It clogs it up for the rest of us, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I I, re, I meet very few younger comedians. What are you like? Thirty three? What you told me you were thirty five. Um, I meet very few younger comedians who I can talk to about certain things, and they don't. They and they actually want to want to listen and don't think I'm being bitter. Like when I met you and I told you about because we had this MC who was doing all this crowd work. And uh, I don't remember exactly what I told you, but a lot of comics would have been like, "God, this guy's a dick." No man, actually, I've told I've told so many people that since then about the like why why you don't do crowd work when you're when you're hosting a, a show for 
a headliner that's going at you know forty five minutes to an hour because yeah, especially in between and just and having a question you yeah. know like like I'm not trying to be a complete Nazi about it like if you're hosting or featuring or any position in front of me. A little bit of crowd work is fine, but not only when that's all you do, but you're having like a question and answer session with the crowd. Yeah. It it puts them in this in this talkative. This is what we do to the comedian. Now you got the headliner coming up to do forty five to an hour and wants to do material, and you got some dickhead making a comment after every line. It's like this is all. Everything I say has a purpose. <laughs> you know, and I need you to listen and not be commenting after every fucking thing because this guy's already put you in that mind frame. And and I was explaining that to Brian uh, before I went up. I was kind of grumpy about it. And I'm like, this motherfucker is doing this and this and this and it's going to cause X, Y, Z. And, and instead of being like, wow, this guy's a dick, he's like, he got it. <laughs> and that was part of why I was like, all right, I like this guy. He fucking he's funny, and he gets this little stuff that other people are like, God, he's hard to deal with. I'm like, no, I'm not hard to deal with. I just know how this shit is supposed to go, and when you don't, when you deviate from it, I know what's going to happen, and it pisses me off. Well, yeah, see, that's what <laughs> that's what made me listen to, because you were right about what was going to happen. And it was something I had never thought about, is that, oh, if you do crowd work, then the crowd thinks that they can scream shit the whole show. Yeah, set the precedent. And since you only got to be up there for five minutes... You don't see the problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> when you got to be up there for an hour just batting away, response instead of going doing your material, it's frustrating. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially because the first fifteen minutes for me, if I'm headlining, I, I don't really mess with the crowd hardly at all. Maybe a little bit at the beginning, but I want to set a, a rhythm and get a, you know, this is what I do: boom, 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 boom. I'm gonna have a drink. I'm gonna get you know. Take my sip here. I'm going to do that. I need you to get, just focus on what the fuck I'm doing. Not be like, that is true. Oh, my God. When in Rome, you know, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Do you think anything could ever make you stop doing stand-up? Do I think what? You think anything could ever make you quit? Uh, no, man. I've been doing this for a living for 18 years. I don't see myself ever being able to get any other kind of job. Oh, yeah. You got a big-ass gap in your resume there, huh? Yeah, I, I, I graduated from college and started doing open mics, and within almost two years, I was doing it for a living. Um, so I've never, other than being a waiter at a restaurant when I first started, I've never had a job. I'm like, I'm like uh, Brooks from fucking. I'm institutionalized. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get a job now. Um, but to answer your question, no, I, not only because this is my preferred way to make money, but. <clears throat> I realize why I have to be, I, I have to headline at least, I have to do 45 minutes at least 10 times a month, or, or I start to go crazy. You know, these short sets here in LA, um, I did 10 minutes here at the Comedy Store last night, and man, 10 minutes is a... Yeah, gone like that. It ain't nothing, dude. That's right when you start, right when you used to get on the roll. That's right when you, when it, yeah. even before that, yeah, yeah. It's, and that's the most time that that you can usually get in LA. Ten, yeah. Ten minutes, maybe fifteen if you're famous. Yeah. Or twenty if you go do like yeah. the Long Beach Laugh Factory. Or an hour if you're Chappelle. Yeah. But were you here last night for him when he came in? I wasn't. I let he came in right after I left. Yeah. And he came in last night, Dave Chappelle, and did I don't know, he did at least an hour, maybe more. And he had a pretty good buzz going. 
And when he walked in, he, he was like, everybody shut off your phones. This is just for us. And, and I, you know, there may have been some dickhead in there rogue recording it, but, um, you know, and even part of me was like, God, I would love to have this on tape. You know, it'd be, I thought to myself, God, how hard would it be just to hit just press record and have this once in a lifetime set of Dave Chappelle, um, but I was like, no, he doesn't want that, and this should be just for the people in the room, and and not that I would have shared it with anybody, but it would have been cool to have. But that motherfucker is so goddamn good at stand-up comedy. I mean, yeah. he is our Richard Pryor. Um, he really is. He's man. as good as anybody who's ever done it. I mean, without question. Yeah. Especially when you consider someone just being able to come up and just talk. Or it looks like he's just talking, which is the whole idea of stand-up, is to make it look like it's off the top of your head. And and some of it might be jokes, but you never know with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you know what I was... I was I forget who I was talking about this with last night, but it's like, one of the things I love about stand-up is that you can... There's no limit. You can keep getting better. Oh, yeah. And he's getting better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you can get worse, too. But... <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you if you constantly put that work in like he does like you could just keep going. It, there's no there's no there's no maximum to your potential. It's like you continue to learn every year and grow and change as a person and your your stuff can just keep getting better. And he just it's to the point now where he it's almost it just looks effortless when he does it. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know right now some people are mad about know the way that Dave Chappelle is kind of he- uh, held up but I like you said I don't I don't know if I the way he's held up so how so um because there's this um fuck I don't want to talk about it but but cuz cuz I told myself I promised myself I would stop talking about it but uh okay. but but uh but the there's a, the backlash against Hannah Gatsby with the uh, Nanette are you familiar with that I'm not I'm the worst Oh uh, okay well Nanette was a uh, when it recently came out on Netflix, maybe a month ago, okay, and it's uh, and uh, it's it was held as like the it's the a comedy that argues against comedy or it's gonna change stand up forever and all these things. So I tuned in. I normally don't even watch people's specials, but uh, it was it was it was like a a very tragic story mm-hmm. that didn't have um, very many jokes in it, right. And so it got criticized a lot for like not being funny, basically. And there's this argument that like stand up doesn't have to be funny, and you know. It, anyway, it it there's, it's been a big divide. Only comics really argue about it. Really, I don't think anyone right. else cares. But uh, um, but that that's the but that's the debate now in the community is whether there's there whether there's this lane for this other kind of comedy that isn't necessarily funny. Well, know? I mean... And, yeah, right. Without ev- without knowing everything about it, I mean, fuck, comedy has to be kind of funny. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, I mean... That's, that's the camp I'm in. <laughs> but some people... Like, like... And they use Chappelle as an example. Okay. They compare this lady to Chappelle. And she is no Chappelle by any... But, but I guess that's the argument, is that we hold up Chappelle because he's a man... We hold him up in this high regard, and he can do no wrong. He walks on water, and this lady, because she's a lady, we shit on what she's doing. But I, I just think, 
um, I don't know how to put this without being okay because look, I'm black, right? You're and black. I'm I am. I didn't know you noticed, <laughs> but I deal. Sometimes I deal with discrimination and stuff and stand up. Sure. You know? But you know what? Sometimes. What, what, what I'll say is, sometimes you're dealing with discrimination, and sometimes you're just not as good at what you're not as good as you think you are. Yeah. And that most of the time, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Is you know, because you always hit that point. You hit that point when you maybe when you were like two, three years in, where you thought you were better than you were. Sure. You know, and I think everyone I thought hits, I was better than I was like the sixth time in. <laughs> right. Everyone does, <laughs> but but I feel like a lot of times when you belong to like a, a minority group. Sometimes you you interpret that as discrimination. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they because you can't figure. You're like, I'm great. How come no one's booking me, or how come no one's friends with me? And you right. think, oh, oh, okay, I see why. And that's not even what it is. It's like I don't my my criticism of Hannah Gatsby has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman, or that she was a lesbian, or that her special was uh was about uh her her sexual assault or any of that. It's just that it wasn't funny. Yeah. And it was it was marketed to me as funny, and, right. it, was, and it wasn't it wasn't funny. So I, I you know, th- so I've gotten into a lot of arguments in the last probably two weeks. Well, I'm all for that. doing stand up and saying something like I, you know, I've been doing pretty well my entire career as far as crowd response, and I've realized like. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like, uh, um, you know, in large part, people don't know who I am, and they, you know, they know I'm a solid professional and I do a good job wherever I go and all that. But like, it, it doesn't give me the same rush it used to to just kill from start to finish. So now I'm like trying to sneak in some things that are also important to me and point out like the hypocrisy of our government and all kinds of shit that's going on. But if I feel myself getting on a soapbox or not getting the laughs that I'm being paid to get, then I'll shift gears. You know, it's not my job to be on a fucking soapbox. And I get it. If you're famous, you can get away with it a little more too. But it's not my job to not be funny. I can say whatever the fuck I want on stage, but it needs to be funny. It needs to be funny, yeah. I agree. You know, like that was the genius of Bill Hicks and George Carlin and and guys like that is, this guy named Freddie DeMarco told me one time, he goes, Bill Hicks almost ruined comedy because so many people tried to be like him. And that's exactly right because Bill Hicks talked about some controversial shit, but he was always funny about it the funny was always coming right behind that shit and said some ballsy things and things that aren't designed to kill an audience but i get i also get that there's value in like like sometimes i'll watch Chappelle, and after i watched a couple of his specials i realized i hadn't laughed out loud once but i still thought to myself that's the best he's the best because it was still funny it was funny in it and interesting, so I wasn't like laughing out loud the whole time, but I was mesmerized. And I haven't seen this special you're talking about, but it's you know, it's you should, you should. It's a good story, but it's not funny. It's yeah. not if if you go into it expecting a stand-up comedy special, you're going to be disappointed. Well, are people what are people saying about it's changing stand-up and that's 
uh, what it's going towards because fuck nobody you know I think those people just I think those people want to create that's you know because because she she checks a lot of the boxes she's a she's a woman she's a lesbian she's talking about openly about uh, her rape and sexual assault and I think people are people love that message you know she because it's a, it's a very like empowering message for women Mm-hmm. And so, I don't. I think, you know, I don't know why it was marketed that way, but, um, you know, I mean, she she says that it was on purpose, that like they wanted you, they wanted you to expect comedy and and then not. Did she get laughs at all? A few, yeah. From a few, she got laughs a few times. Um, some of them were very awkward. Uh, I mean, when she want when she was when she wanted laughs, I don't know if she always got laughs when she wanted laughs. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. It's it's one of the things that you would have to see for yourself to to really get get what I'm saying. But it's a. Uh, uh, I to me, it didn't look like she was very good at stand up comedy. Right. But she was a great storyteller. She was comfortable on stage. Yeah. But just her jokes weren't on the money. I didn't think in her. Her. Seems like somebody needed to take a hit of pot for her and write that and be like and li- and read it and be like, okay, you can have this joke here, you can put this joke here. Well, no, because <laughs> well, her argument was that stand-up comedy was not adequate to tell her story. Okay. Like comic comedy itself, because that the, the whole special is like her, well, not the whole thing, but it's mostly her arguing against c- comedy. Really. Yeah, that comedy is not. Um, that she's tired of like making fun of herself, basically and being self-deprecating, and she wants to tell her real story, and comedy doesn't let her do that, which I disagree with. I, I think, do too. Yeah, I think if you're good enough at stand-up, you can tackle heavy shit. I just think she, because she, she, she did comedy mostly in Australia for like ten years. That's why you never heard of her. Yeah. I mean, the only Australian comic I know of is Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. So, um, but Jim Short. Tim Short. Jim Short's uh, Australian guy too. Uh, yeah, but she. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's a. Uh, and maybe a little, maybe a little bit of my reflexive. Um, criticism of it is that I'm a man, but it's mostly that I'm a comic, and and I and if and, you know, so once you start attacking comedy. Uh, then I then I got to start checking your credentials, you know. Yeah. 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 I. I you know. I'm all for. Especially the message, it sounds like she was talking about like her sexual assault and all that stuff. But um, it was a good message. It was a good story. Yeah, but I don't know. It's supposed to be funny for me. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think somebody told me they were like, I saw this special and it was like I cried and it wasn't like super funny, but it was really good. And um, you know, I, I just I don't know. I guess there's a market for everything, and I don't want it to be like comedy to become like this depressing thing like you know I'm all for that message and getting you know having people speak up about what happened to them and all that stuff because that you know there's a lot of shit in this country a lot of people are affected by especially like sexual abuse and all that stuff and nobody talks about it um so in that respect I'm all for it especially here but but be funny you know um if you're gonna do stand-up and if not go rent out the bookstore and Write, write a book about your story and and get it out there that way. I don't fucking know. I haven't even seen it, so I can't 
can't knock it too much. I'm curious to see it now. Is it on Netflix? It is. It is. And 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 I got and so and for me, whenever it's something controversial like that, I always check myself and go, okay, where's my blind spot? You know, what am I missing? What am I? What am I bias? What is my bias keeping me from seeing? So like, I get obsessed. You know, right? And I've watched. I've watched every single thing from her that I could find online. You know, because I don't want to be arguing from a place of ignorance. Right. But then... Have you seen her be funny in anything else? No. No. <laughs> and, and so, and that's why it's tough to be, it's tough for me to accept her premise of this is, this is unfunny on purpose. Right. You know, it's like, well, if you meant to do that, you got to, for me to believe you meant to do that, then you have to show me that you can really do it. Yeah. And I haven't seen any evidence of that. But um, but also, I got to a point where... That's her hook on the unfunny comic. <laughs> I guess. Or, no, her hook is, there's, new, there's, a new, you know, there's a new way of doing stand-up. Like, don't let men define... You know, anyway. I, I got to a point where I was just like, I'm putting way too much energy into this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know what I believe at the end of the day, comedy polices itself. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, if you're not funny, you, you know, if if what people want is to laugh and you're not funny, you're gonna you're gonna fade away. If if you're funny, I think you'll always be able to work. It, it might not always be mainstream. Yeah, but to me, it's just, it's just like it's just like music. It's like those poppy bubblegum boy bands and shit. They might make hits and be the flavor of the, of the month, mm -hmm. but they don't last. A lot of club owners really think in the short term. Yeah. And they, so they want, you know, they trade that, they trade long-term uh, profit for short-term profit, or at least, or the appearance of profit, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you might, like, like you say, like you might get that, you might get that YouTube star to sell out your club two times. But no one's coming back to see them a third time. Yeah. And that so now you lost money in the long term, but they don't see it that way, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was telling. Uh, I lost track of what I was gonna say, but anyway, doesn't matter. I should probably switch gears anyway. We sound like we're pitching too much. Oh yeah. Hey, what, what did you when did you uh, get past here? Um, I've been out here for about eight years, so it only took me about three months. I got seen. Uh, Tommy gave me saw me early and liked me and got me a showcase pretty early and then and then Mitzi passed me and and I didn't realize um, that's a big deal. I didn't realize really what a big deal it was at the time because I've been doing it for a living at that point for almost ten years and starting to headline here and there and and so when they were like when they passed me I was like okay cool you know I was just like yeah, well I've been doing this for a living for a long time I. I should be able to do 15 minutes a few times a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it shouldn't be any big deal. But um, I didn't realize at the time how historic it, it was. It's and a big deal for everybody. Yeah. Because even if you're famous, they won't pass you if you don't come here. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's people that have that you be you be shocked that have recently were Pat Oswalt was just recently passed. Really? Yeah. Colin Quinn just huh. got passed. He got he got his name on the wall at the same time as I did. Huh. That's awesome. You know, but it was like, no matter how long you've been in the game, no matter how famous you are, like, you got to come here at least a little. Yeah. yeah. Where, where did you start? 
I started in San Diego. That's right. I couldn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I started in San Diego. It was a good. It was a good scene back then. Actually, it's still pretty good. I, I mean, I don't know because I'm not in it, but right. There was a lot of stage time available to me. Where I, I got really lucky because I was working. I was uh, right when I started. Uh, it was a comedy club down there called the Madhouse, and they were opening. So they they opened right when I started, and I work and I started working there like right when they opened. Yeah. So, because they were like a new club, it's like I got to do. I was the first to do all these things, you know. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was the first, the first door guy, and so I got to host everything, and I was featuring very early on. I hosted all the shows, hosted the open mics, and I would, just, I would just get hours of stage time every week. Yeah. When normally I know you get. You're lucky if you get minutes. Yeah. You know, so I was just getting hours of stage time every week, and I just, and I was obsessive. That's why I tell a lot of these guys out here, too, is uh, I'm like, you know, if you really want to get good at stand-up, you've got to, excuse me, you've got to um, feature on the road. You've got to do 30 minutes, 60, you know, when you when you start doing 30 minutes a week, 30 minutes a set, six times a week, four times a month, like when I was in Kansas City, there, there were weeks I did, there were years I did 48 weeks in a year. It's only four weeks I wasn't doing stand-up every freaking night almost, and not five minutes, 30 minutes, six times, 20, you do that 24 times a month for a year, you start freaking to get tight and realize all this, you know, drop off all your bullshit and all your stuff just gets tight as nails, and I'm like, that's where you get good. That's why it pisses me off when I'm not going to name any names, but there are comics at the comedy store that shit on road comics. And I'm like, you realize you're shitting on what you ultimately would like to do, right? Which is get paid to do stand-up. <laughs> right, like regularly. You know, and yeah. getting to do 45 minutes to an hour, that's, you know, like it drives me crazy that some of these festivals are first round, six minutes, second round's eight minutes, and the third round is ten minutes. <laughs> that's the final <laughs> ten fucking minutes? That doesn't prove you can do stand up. You're a that you're a, a bona fide stand up professional headlining comedian. That means you've got maybe ten minutes of killer shit. Well, and the prize is you get the headline place. Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna go headline this. You know, you prove that you're a headliner because you got a you got a solid ten. Ten doesn't mean shit. That is literally a fifth of what I normally do to headline a show. Fifty minutes. We, my wife and I watched a documentary the other night that was 51 minutes, and there was a lot of information in that motherfucker, and it seemed like it took a lot longer than 51 minutes, and I thought to myself, I can't believe I do comedy for 51 minutes, and pretty much get a laugh every 15 for for 15 to, or excuse me, 45 to 50 minutes, and then I, I'm, I bag on myself. All I can think about are the, the two new minutes I did that didn't get a very good response. Motherfucker, mm. you did 49 other successful <laughs> minutes. Can you yeah. just focus on that? It's a long time. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it does. Oh, why why it, does it, that hour fly by when you're on stage? If, it, if it's going well, it flies by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did the Richmond Funny Bone a few years ago, man, and I, all the shows were good, but the Thursday show was not good. And they stared at me like I was selling insurance for 45 fucking minutes. And, but at the end of it, when I said goodnight, I looked down at my clock and I had done 45 on the fucking nose. And I'm like, that's, that's experience. That's from timing and, you know. What was it about the Thursday show that you thought? 
it was just one of those crowds that just don't laugh. You know, every now and again you get those just herds. And it's usually after, like, you've had some really good set or something, you know. Yeah. I, I find a lot of times it's the, it's the, it's who they're with. The, I have the hardest time with corporate, like, when it's a corporate group. Mm-hmm. So when everyone's from work. Or yeah. when it's a military group and, like, they came out as a unit. And their commander's there or something. And it's like everyone is really nervous about laughing because they don't want the commander to, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, every, absolutely. So I always just shit on him. I shit on whoever the boss is or human resource. I find the person that everyone is afraid of. <laughs> and I try yeah. to shit on, shit on that person. I did a handful of military gigs a few years ago, and, <clears throat> and I was shocked at how, at these particular military gigs anyway, how many things they told us to stay away from and not talk about. And I was just like, these motherfuckers have been to war. Like, they can't hear me say this, you know, like... Nah, look, because I was, I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's all bullshit. If they tell you to stay away, the person telling you that is just afraid. Every bad leader I've ever had in my life makes, makes their decisions based on fear. Mm-hmm. That guy's afraid that you might say something to offend someone above him and and he's just covering his ass. Right. So if you do, he can say, I told him not to talk about that, sir. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But no one in that room gives a fuck what you say. Nobody. I know. I know no. it drives me crazy how much they err on the side of caution for things like that. Yeah. Um and, and the guy they they mean they they had a laundry list of shit they didn't want me to talk about. And then the guy went that went ahead of me did everything he wasn't supposed to do and destroyed. And then I went up after him trying to, you know, because I wanted to do these gigs again and did all the shit I wasn't supposed to do and had a very half-assed set. And I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> I drove yeah. him all the way from that thing mad. And that pretty much at that point, I was like, you know what? I will never do that again. I, 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 if, if I'm talking to a room full of adults, I'm going to talk to them like they're adults. And fuck this. So, uh, it's not worth getting stared at. For, I don't care how much money you get if if the object is oh dumb it down or don't say this or you know fuck off. So you know what to uh, to me with my now I haven't been doing it as long as you are nearly in as many places as you. Um, so my shit might be limited, but I but my favorite gigs my favorite gigs are when I get AA or NA. Yeah. Oh man, those crowds because they've been through right a bunch of shit. They pay well, and they don't give you any restrictions. Yeah. And these the crap these crowds. I mean, you can go, you can go as dark as you want to go. Right. They, I mean, they've literally been through. Work. They don't care if you make fun of them. They don't care what you talk about. They, you know, they just they're the best, and they're not drunk. So if you're not getting heckled, and you know, what I mean, right. they they, they just hopped up on coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Actually, and ice cream. They do ice cream socials or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Best gig I ever had was a um, was a, it was an AA slash NA convention. Mm-hmm. They brought like they do it once a year in San Diego, and they bring and it's you know probably four or five hundred people in the, in the crowd. Yeah. All ice cream, coffee. Yeah. And it, it oh it was great. Dude, sober audiences are way better than I hate when I hear an MC go drink up. It gets funnier. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It just makes them fucking assholes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think some some people need a drink to loosen up. Yeah, a couple drinks here and that there. That ain't good but, for everybody. But getting them hammered is never a fucking... No. That's, that's almost always a fox pass. It's like, have you ever had a drunk motherfucker at your house? Yeah. You don't want 90 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Who were your... Uh, have, so you're 33, so... 30, 35. 35. So you started when you were 28, so that's not super late, but it's not super early. Um, what were you doing before this, and why did you get into stand-up? I was... Right before stand-up, I was in college. Okay. Um, I think I was taking... Ma- <laughs> I was trying to major in philosophy. Yeah. And... Uh, but it's weird. I feel like if you took your first college class as a philosophy class, you, you might not want... That's not a good idea. Cause, yeah. Because... Right, because then you start, then you start thinking about life. Like, well, is college worth this bullshit? You know, it's like, yeah. and I decided anyway. I um, my my friend, my friends from the military had kept, you know, had always been trying to push me to do stand up, and I didn't have the balls back then. And then one time I was at a show with some, with a girl that was in my class, and it wasn't good. The show was terrible. The show wasn't. It wasn't good. Yeah, we were we were there to see one of her friends. Um, I guess it was a bringer show. We didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. But we were there to see one of her friends, and and the show wasn't that great. And she looked at me and was like, man, you're funnier than 90% of the people we just watched. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and, uh, and uh, we went to class the next day, and I and, and, I, and I told her, like, I'm going gonna gonna to go do it tonight. And I did. You know? And I, and um, th- well, that night I walked, I, wa- I was walking home, and I, uh, and I stopped at this bar that I never go into, and I was joking, well, joking with this girl, and her 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 boyfriend came up afterwards, and he was he run some organization that was about to put on a comedy show, okay, and he put me on the show that was and it was like three months away, and then I started like obsessively hitting these open mics because I invited all my friends to it, yeah, and I just was hitting these open mics hard because I didn't want to bomb at the show, right, and uh. And that, that sort of created my my obsessiveness over my my material was just because I was a, that's how I started just obsessed about it. Right. Yeah. So just those the combination of those two events, watching that show suck, and then the next day having this guy put me on his show because he thought I was funny when I was flirting with his girlfriend. <laughs> and and then, and then yeah, and and it was far enough away, and I had time to do it, really learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I thought I was hot shit. <laughs> it was, I was I was all right. I was I was I was better than I should have been probably for the beginning, but yeah. I definitely wasn't as good as I thought I was. Yeah, my first time per- went pretty well. I had people in the crowd and all that, and got some applause breaks and all that shit. So I thought I, I remember already being um, not bitter, but like they kept pushing me down on the list the very second time that I went up, and I remember just sitting off by myself and being like, "What the." Fuck, these guys suck. <laughs> putting me up. Why are they fucking pushing me back? I'm way better than this guy, you know. And I'd literally done three minutes. Um, so. Were you? What was the? What, what was the time when you realized that you weren't as good as you thought? Um, the first time I got paid for it, I made eight dollars, and I was uh, doing the best of Kansas City on a Tuesday, and I and I. I did, I was supposed to do 10 minutes, I did like 8, and I don't think I got a laugh until my closer, and this is probably my 10th time on stage, um, and I was, 
I've always been hard on myself, so I went and sat in the back of the room, and I was just kind of sulking and basically telling myself, like, eh, I got a college degree. I don't need to fucking do this. I've been funny my whole life. I don't need people telling me I'm not funny. And just kind of pissed off about it. And then this guy named Brian Burgess came in, and it was me, and I can't remember who else was on the show, Jason Hughes, and the guy, and you know Chris Porter. Um, Chris Porter was the headliner, and we all went short. We all didn't do it, because the crowd wasn't very good, at least we didn't think it was, and we all went short, every single one of us. So the guy running the room, Keith, was kind of freaking out, and... And this guy, Brian Burgess, came in. He was the manager, and he was also on the road for 15 years. And just I've talked about him before, the funniest guy you've never heard of. And just immaculate timing. And he came in, and he's like, sure, I'll go up. And he went up there, and none of us had done particularly well, and he just fucking destroyed. He was so good, so good with the crowd. He was smoking on stage. He was so like, and that's when I realized, like, well, Tim, can't be so hard on yourself this guy's been doing this for 15 years you see how good he is because he's put in the time like if he hadn't come in that night i may have fucking quit because it was early enough that i was like man fuck this you know but that was the first time that i realized like oh it's not always gonna be good because i think the first eight or nine times i did pretty well and i started i it was funny i was thinking about this just last night um uh, I remember thinking at like the sixth or seventh time in, like, you know, I know this is supposed to be hard, but I, I don't know if that applies to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think I might just be naturally fucking good at this. <laughs> and uh, it's funny, even now, when you have that thought, you're about to eat shit, or you're about to have one of those shows. Oh, yeah. That's actually my favorite thing, and maybe this is, maybe this is super bitter, but my... My favorite thing is like when I'm at when I'm at a mic or hosting something, and, and and there's someone who has who's never done it. Yeah. But they have that. They you can tell that they that they don't they don't respect how hard it is. Yeah. And then in that in those first ten seconds, it dawns on them. Yeah. You know, like oh shit, this this isn't as easy, and you can just see the the the. You can see it in their eyes. Yeah, I was telling um, someone the other day. I was like, I was like, if you're good at stand up, you make it look easy. So everybody thinks it's easy, and then they get up there and they got the microphone that they've never held, and they're they're looking at the light and they realize how fucking bright that light is, and, and then you want to look at the microphone and just it's it's very you 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 just can't realize it until you get up there and you and those lights hit you in the eyes and you're like oh mm. um, especially when you can't see the crowd like this store was designed. Yeah, there's there's no barrier to entry like you can't be a complete fucking bum and, and be in the NFL. There's there's so many things, there's so many people between you and the NFL to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, you, can, you can literally come into the best comedy club in the world and go up on the stage. Yeah. Not, not whatever, but you know. Right. So it's like some people, I think some people just feel like they, because to me, I feel like people's amazement with things is all based on the distance in their mind between them being able to do it. Like yeah. how far away they think they are from being able to do what they see you doing. So mm-hmm. so people are people are amazed at a triple backflip more than they're amazed at stand-up because they, they think, a lot of people think that their only barrier to stand-up is that they're afraid to actually go on stage. Yeah, Because that's their fear, just being in front of people and having to speak. Right. So they think if they can get over that, 
that they're all good, and they don't realize like that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Yeah, because it gets because because now there's an expectation. Now you got to make people laugh. Yeah. But a lot of people have that mentality like, well, I'm already funny, so if I can just get up there. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it, it. I tell people, funny people can be taught how to do stand up, but if you're not funny, please get the fuck out of the way. You know, like if you've never been funny, ever, like at work or in front of your family or at school. I mean, if you've never gotten laughs, why the fuck are you think you could do it professionally? Like even if you're funny, this shit is hard. You know, right? It's like people that have never been in a fight that think they can fight. You ever, yeah. You ever met those people? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's in, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. What 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 kind of military were you in? I was in the Marine Corps. Okay. Yeah, for six years or five years. Yeah, did you like it? Um no. No. Yeah. Not at the time I didn't like it. Yeah. I mean Look, I'm sure the camaraderie was all right with some of the guys. But. Yeah, look I'm actually I'm about to visit some of them guys now. I haven't seen them in a while in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, no, the camaraderie is awesome. I mean, looking back on it I had a lot of good times. I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Yeah. Um, but I knew it wasn't for me. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, all that pushed me to be a stand-up. I, I was searching for that thing mm-hmm. that I just, because um, I was in foster care in Mer- in Mer- where I'm from, and I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. And the Marine Corps was just the easiest way to do that. Yeah. But I knew the Marine Corps wasn't for me. At first, I thought it was. But, you know, I realized I was just... I was just trying to fit in. I was just adjusting because I was so happy to not right. be home. Yeah. But uh, but slowly, the see, the Marine Corps is where I learned that timing. I learned if you if you said you could say the wrong thing at the perfect time and get away with it. Yeah. Especially if it was funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I would. So a lot of times it was like I would, and I and I got to the point where I would do it so often. That I wouldn't even really get in trouble. It would be like, oh, that's just Simpson. Just right. ignore him or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, it, it really taught me, like, you, you can, especially if it's if it's funny or and if it's true. Yeah. Ooh, you bulletproof, yeah. and you say it right at the perfect moment. Yeah. I, that's that's the Marine Corps taught me that, like unconsciously, right. I, I learned that. Then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I learned a lot about people there too, because I, I was the only black person. Yeah. For like yeah, in, for, in San Diego. In my unit, not in. <laughs> yeah, no, I meant in the city. I meant, I meant, were you in the military in San Diego? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, <laughs> you are about the only black person in San Diego. Yeah, it's hard to find. Um, no, nah, I, I, yeah, I was stationed in uh, in Miramar. To, yeah, I had a good, I had a good time. Yeah, that's a, that's 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 the only. I think Miramar might be the Miramar and Hawaii are the only nice places in, that you can be stationed as a Marine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people count. Japan, but I don't. Um, so, and especially my job, the job I had, Miramar was it. Everywhere else was like South Carolina, Okinawa. Like nobody wants that shit. Have you got? Uh, have you got some road gigs coming up, or what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to Boston this this week. Um, what are you doing in Boston? I'm going to be at the uh, shit. Look on your phone. Yeah, because I'm irresponsible. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Hyenas and in, in, uh, Plano this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's uh, 
It's a good little chain. There's one in Plano. There's one in Dallas. There's one in Fort Worth. And uh, the guy that runs it, the, the, the owner's pretty cool dude, Randy Butler. And uh, he was real tight with Vinnie Paul, who passed away recently. So I don't know if I'll see Randy this weekend or not, but I'm looking forward to it. It's a cool, uh, it's a really cool club, all three of them. I always have fun there. So. Yeah, this one will be at some place called McGreevy's on Monday in Boston. Uh, and Do you have like a website where people can find all your dates? No, but they can go to my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. What's your Instagram? BS Comedian. BS Comedian. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to write that down, too, because I need to follow your ass on there. Are you good at social media and all that shit? No, no, I'm learning. My neighbor just gave me a big a big uh, lecture about it, too, like, because <laughs> she does it for a living. She works for, like, models and photographers. She, oh, yeah? And I, and I came home the other day, and she was like, we have to have a talk about your Instagram. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, ugh. <laughs> Honey, just give me two hours. You bring a notepad. I was like, all right. Really? Oh, Gosh, yeah. Can I come to that meeting? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll forward you the notes for sure because I don't know what it's going to be, but she she's good at it. Her Instagram is awesome. And I, and you know what's weird is I when I look at her Instagram, mm-hmm. I it it's awesome to me, but I still I can't tell the difference. Like I can't tell what she's doing differently than me. But but I cannot. But I can't tell that it's better than mine. Right. You know, it, it's it, the, some of the change, some of the the things that that she'll teach you are almost like imperceptible. Like it's a, it, it people don't realize that they're being like Jedi mind tricked on some of these things. Like there's, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you know what I mean. There's it's a all, skill. It's yeah, like stand up. Yeah, there's all these little things, and and I'm all for those tools, promoting the right people when it comes to stand up. Um, so your Instagram is BS Comedian. Is that your Twitter and all that shit too? Or you just do um, Instagram? I just do Instagram, yeah. You're not on Facebook? I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I'm about to get rid of those. Okay. Yeah, because I just, I don't want to have to keep up with it, with it all. Yeah. So according, according to the kids, Instagram is where it's at, so. Well, this lady can probably tell you, I think there are things you can put on there that um, it just. Automatically? Up, it does it to all of them. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. She'll tell you about it, but um, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you. And we could, there's a lot of stuff we, we could have talked about, but I want to get out of here before the traffic. Is it, what what time is it? Did the time change? Is time that, didn't change, oh, did it? Did that happen? No, it's one twenty three for sure. Okay, why does my clock say 1210? I don't know what's going on. Right what there. the hell? <laughs> oh, probably because we're, no, no, that don't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing's going to die in 3%, so. Um, there's anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, no, that's, oh, my podcast, BS. With Brian Simpson? Yeah. yeah, I would love to I would love to listen to that too. BS with Brian Simpson. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll check that out too. And uh, my website's TimGatherComedy.com. It's got all my dates on there and and all that stuff. I'm pretty busy in December and January. I've got some good stuff coming up and October, November I'm pretty much taking off because I'm having a baby boy. And Oh, congrats, man. Yeah. I didn't know that. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. This is not your first. No, it is my first. Oh yeah. wow. First and uh, probably last. <laughs> I'd like to have one good one. I tell people that all the time. Like, you gonna have another one? I'm like, eh, we'll see how this person goes first. Um, but yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be around. I'm always got stuff going on. TimGatherComedy.com. As always, go to Making It Happen. M A C A N It Happen. Dot com. Help a little bow making. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Appreciate the support, everybody. God bless all of you. Bye.